I know. I thought I was, but now am I misremembering? I don't know. I'm, I'm... When, when the question is somebody with ADHD misremembering something, my general <laughs> assumption is I, you got a 50-50 shot. See, and actually that's something that's really difficult because um, I there are there are certain things that because I have a real contextual like memory, I remember spe- certain things in really, really specific detail. Like, and I, when I do remember something really well, it's like, no, I know for certain because, and I can list out everything that surrounds it. But because of like the short-term memory and ADHD stuff, there are times where then like my accounts are doubted because I'm, because that sometimes does happen. Um, and so more often than not, I am accused of not remembering things correctly when I actually did. And it feels very gaslighty, although it's not usually an intentional gaslight from people. They just assume that I'm misremembering. Well, sometimes you people just accidentally drop the match on the gas. It's not intentional. It's just matches are slippery, you know? Uh, they should Matches should not be slippery. Yeah, but they so, well, are, Well, they got all though. the gas on them. <laughs> matches, <laughs> matches are pretty slippery, though. Like... You know, you grab the match, you flip it. Sometimes it falls out of your hand onto the the pile of tinder. My favorite is when you're you're lighting it and you you break the match in half, but it still strikes. Yes, so then there's just exactly. this little flame that's like falling around, and you're like, oh, please don't ignite anything. Okay, what are we talking about today? Let's 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 do this. I gotta clean my house. <sighs> okay, well that's ironic. Is it just the three of us? Yeah. I'm working on a diamond painting. I don't know if you guys know what these are, but it's super cute because it's a baby Hufflepuff. Wait, just just so that I understand this, we have to hurry up because you have to clean your house, but you're currently painting. No, it's diamonds. You use these little, you use these little jewels and you put them, it's like paint by number. And you put them on there. Yes, it's great fun. But because I'm doing that while we're doing that, while we're recording, but I've been cleaning all day. We're just explaining all of the crinkly sounds every time you talk so our podcast listeners can understand. Sorry, guys. Not sorry. I'm just saying if you want me to sit still for an hour and a half while we record this, I'm going to have to do something else with my hands. I mean, that's fine. I've built Legos while we were recording podcasts. Like, that's fine. I just choose quiet things, not crinkly things. I'm sorry that this is crinkly, but I'm still going to use it. Wait, were we recording that whole time? When did we start recording? <laughs> did you not know we were recording? No, I missed the countdown because I was working on my diamond painting. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Caleb. I'm Rebecca. I'm Mike. And that and that's crinkle, crinkly Rachel over there. I'm crinkly Rachel. I'm just shocked that you didn't realize that I started the recording. Like that that tells us that you didn't look at the screen for more than five seconds. That's true. I didn't. But also didn't see the counter at the bottom of the screen or the recording button at at the top. Oh, it's up here it at the top. Recording. Yeah, I just I don't look there. Do you and guys I didn't... not have a time as well at the bottom of how long it's been? No, we don't have a time. We just have like on our little. Um, I do. It's over here. It's like over here on this part of my screen. Five minutes and 17 oh, seconds. Oh, it is up. It, it's up at the top, top right. 
But it's small. It's not like it's. I say like, it's under Hello. like the studio tab or whatever. Oh, you guys have to go there for that. Yeah, M- mine's just always up. I guess I didn't even realize. Oh, I can close it away. Oh, because I use the chat. That's right. Because I clicked on the chat. Right. So you guys have studio and chat up there. You don't have media, obviously. Right. You don't have media. No. Okay. So when we talked about how I have all the power normally, it was accurate. Okay. Yeah, you do have all the power. Well, because it came up the week that I was late. Abuse the power. Uh, Mike, I, I'm not going to abuse the fact that I can mute you at any time. Why would I do that? Uh, I can think of a lot of reasons why I would want to mute myself. Well, we can think of a lot of reasons why we want to mute you, too. Ooh, Apparently not Caleb. Uh, no, well, first off, muting somebody is not an abuse of power, depending on when and why you mute them. But I can kick people off of the call, too. That would like, be an abuse of power. Like, if I just click this little drop-down menu... I can click I can click remove and kick Mike off the call right now. According to some, and I, I'm not saying they're wrong or right, uh, there's no such thing as abuse of power because power is bestowed and to be used. So there is no such thing as abuse of power, you know? Who says that? I don't know. People. No, no. You cannot say some people say something <laughs> and then not have a, not have, it's not how this works. Uh, I like the, uh, who, who have I been reading? Uh, uh, I can't think of a specific one, but um Who's the wolf guy? The Christian National Wolf guy? I don't know. His tweets show up on my Twitter feed a lot. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He wrote the book. The Tome. It's like 400 pages. Yes, I have it. I can't make it. I can't read it. I was going to read it. I can't because it's just so bad. I was going to read it. And then I saw that it was like 400 pages. And I was like, mm, you know, <laughs> which, which book is that? that. Christian nationalism, whatever, whatever, defend a nation, whatever. Oh, that one? Okay. I thought you guys did what? I thought you guys did read it. Yeah, but we did the one by Torva. The little one is bad enough, but there's like a big one and that's like... But they're bad and different. They have incompatible definitions of what Christian nationalism is, which is... It it, it makes it fun. Look, when, when I write, wrote my college papers, I always made sure to have incompatible topics and definitions. It really just makes... It really made my grades better. <laughs> they're not necessarily wrong. It's just the thing that they're advocating for are literally opposites. And both bad, to be clear. Any any life updates? We're recording this on February 17th, 2023. Uh, I went to Vegas for the first time. For the first time? I've never been to Vegas. I went to Vegas when I was like a baby, I guess. I don't remember it. Wait, you've never been to Vegas, Rebecca? No. It is so much more fun than I expected it to be. It is a lot of fun. It's a tourist trap. Of course it's fun. Yeah, that's it. It And it, the architecture is really pretty and the lights are... I mean, casino floors, I, I didn't r- gamble, but there's a lot of blinky lights and a lot of noises, and I'm all about that, so. You didn't even go sit at a blackjack table? No. So <laughs> so a few weeks ago, I had a, a guy's weekend with some college friends, and we went to a casino, and uh, I had gotten, like, some rewards because it was my birthday or whatever, and so I threw some money down at a... And you lost a bunch of money. I lost $20, thank you, but it... it and it was like pay to hang out with your friends and like that was really fun but like i was alone so i was like i'm not i wanted to be in my hotel room and read my fantasy book <laughs> like that's what i wanted All to right, do but okay mike <laughs> so here's the thing about vegas everything is overpriced unless you're gambling okay everything is what overpriced 
Unless you're gambling. Unless you're gambling. <laughs> so drinks, way too expensive to get a drink, right? Very expensive. Oh my You know where goodness. it's not expensive? Casino bars? At the gambling table, at the blackjack table, because they'll just keep bringing you drinks. Because they want you to continue to play. They want you to get drunk and continue to play and lose all your money. Interesting. It's a little shady. So as long as you just... <laughs> it's legal. Uh, so if you're, I, I didn't, I didn't say not, I didn't say illegal. I said shady. There are lots of shady things that are very legal. It's like being on a cruise ship. Same situation. So as long as you're pretty good at blackjack, if you want free drinks, go play blackjack. I have to keep that in mind because I actually do like blackjack. Even if you're just mediocre at counting cards, you can usually come out even. <laughs> Why'd you just shake your head, Rebecca? Because. I am not even mediocre at counting cards and therefore should not do that. Do you count cards, Caleb? When I play blackjack, absolutely. It's very easy. Did you, because I, I count cards too. Did you have a moment when you realized that not not everyone just automatically counts cards when you play blackjack? Did you ever have that realization? Uh, I mean, I know that, but the fact that some people don't even pay attention to how many high cards and low cards have been coming <laughs> up recently, the fact they don't even pay attention to that has been shocking to me. I, I was we were playing blackjack like camping or something and I remember a friend like talking about card counting and how it was bad or whatever and then he like explained what it was and I was like wait you guys aren't just like doing that like you just you don't you just play you just count up one down one and play accordingly it's very easy I've actually never played blackjack um it's really fun so it's fun I actually might be better at counting cards than I would think because I in other games, I'm pretty good at like seeing undoing those kind of patterns or stuff. So, but yeah, now if you want to make some money at it, you need two people. So you need to watch the movie. Is it 21? You get rid of the thinking. I don't know. There's a movie. It's about uh, the real life story or, you know, based on a true story of like uh, college math people who like made a lot of money counting cards or something like I don't know. Oh, there's a couple of groups of people in real life who have made a lot of money <laughs> counting cards. I feel like Caleb could be one of those. Oh, it's super easy, but I don't, that's not what I want to do, Rebecca. I just want to go sit at the blackjack table, enjoy my time, come out neutral, and have a couple drinks. That's, that's my goal when I go to a casino. What is your blackjack table drink? Usually a pina colada, because I really like pina coladas. <laughs> I don't know why that really surprises me. <laughs> what do you think? You just, don't, you just don't strike me as a pina colada guy. <laughs> oh, he totally strikes me as a pina colada guy. I only drink fruity drinks, Mike. Yeah, beer is nasty. Exactly. Depends now, on the sometimes, beer. Sometimes I'll have a glass of, like, if, if I'm going to just have a liquor, it's brandy. Brandy is my liquor of choice. Um, I'm not a fan of most whiskeys. Okay. My dad used to make raspberry brandy homemade. I also sometimes make homemade uh, raspberry brandy, and I plan to this year, as long as we don't have a hurricane, right when the raspberries are ripe. <laughs> I was so mad. Damn hurricanes. That would be really, really tragic, actually. I really You know, it's like, they're, they're almost ripe, and then you go out after the storm and all the raspberries are on the ground, and it's like... Well, they're not good anymore. Yeah, raspberries aren't one of those things that you can, like, eat off the ground as, like, as other things. I mean, I washed them off and ate the ones that didn't, like, squish from the rain, but most of them were, like, pulp, because, you know... 
It was nature's raspberry jam. Uh, 90 mile per hour winds and rain will do that to raspberries. Yes. Um, I uh, preached last Sunday and it went really well. George actually said it was my best one um, that he's seen. So that was nice. I say, how would he know? Has he seen all your sermons? No, just the, just the ones that he's he's seen. Um, and I appreciated that. Uh, although I asked him to stop sitting in the front row because it's very distracting. Uh, and I've written two papers and a sermon in the last week, and I feel very... Is there anything for you that's not distracting, though? <laughs> so it's different because um, I am a lot more intimidated preaching in front of Pam and George than I was under the former lead pastor. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's more intimidating to have them like sitting front and center um, and trying to read their facial expressions um, or not read their facial expressions while I'm thinking, what are they thinking? So that's why I manuscript all my things. And then I don't have to think about anything. I still have to think even if I'm manu- if I have it manuscripted, uh, but I'm still going to see their faces and wonder what they're thinking. Like what about you, Caleb? Any, anything fun? <sighs> not really. I'm getting ready to build a fence to keep the deer out of the garden at my mother's house how dare you they're just trying to eat your food yes they're they're eating all of the food so we're putting up a six foot tall fence and caleb would like to eat the food i would like to eat the food um why don't you just eat the deer i mean that too uh mike i don't you i don't just, think you, you just watch him they come and you just okay mike that that sounds really like a good idea, but here's the thing. What if I mess up? That's why you practice. Are you, what are you? You don't go hunting you unless you practiced. You're going to roll a one and just like stab yourself? When you shoot a deer, do they always fall immediately? No. Sometimes they run. Shot. Eh, but a lot of the time they run and then you go pick them up, right? Yeah. Or finish oh, them I, or whatever. I was suggesting that you should do spear hunting. Oh, then they definitely run. <laughs> okay. So now, <laughs> so now, like, okay, say you go to my backyard. You, you, you see the deer, they come into the backyard, you shoot them with an arrow or you stab them with a spear or shoot them with a bullet. They don't die immediately and they bolt. So now you've got a bleeding deer running. And what are they running across? The golf course. Do you really want a streak of blood coming from you... your yard onto the golf course where you then so have you to track go pick it. up the deer? You go out on that golf course and you field dress that mofo right there. On the I feel back like night. that is an easy answer. Yes. <laughs> but then you have to deal with all of the blood so that way the golfers which will be there many times a day uh it's it's just a it's a bad situation so would i love for somebody to control the deer population nearby absolutely but can i do it in the yard no i think you're missing the fact caleb that your the solution is to still just be a better shot with a big gun have you ever thought about using like a 50 cal <laughs> It's not about the size of the gun, Mike. Again, you've now made a bigger hole that if you don't immediately follow the deer, which the only way to guarantee the, a fall is to shoot their brain. Uh, You're not going to guarantee a fall if you hit their heart. It's pretty close. A deer can run pretty far if you've hit their heart. What if you just used a big, ridiculous sword and just and just decapitated it? I think really the solution would be to set a a step trap, a bear like a rope trap. No, a not deer a bear trap. trap. Just have them step on a rope, and then they and then you just like yeah, and then they just you just, you just go up and you. 
Got it right there. I think you guys are missing the easier solution here. Look, I've built a fence before, and building a fence is not the easier solution. I'm just saying, (laughs) I know deer that can jump over six-foot fences, Caleb, so I hope it works for you. I've also seen deer jump over six-foot fences, but I I don't think that they will jump over this six-foot fence. Because it's there's not an easy landing platform because inside the fence is going to be raised garden beds. So they're going to look through and not see a level spot to land. And razor wire. Mike, no razor wire. Because what if a deer jumped over it? Then that's cruel. That's true. Hmm. Oh, what if they jump over it and they break their leg? Then it becomes stew. It sounds like you don't need to build a fence because it could be cruel either way. <laughs> No, the fence is very I think this needed. trap idea is really the best it's idea. It's going to be very cool. It's going to be wooden posts and then a wire fence. And it's going to have... Oh, so they they run through and they cheese grade themselves. No, it's they can't run through that. And then inside of it, there's going to be a whole little arbor situation with lights and things hanging on it. It's going to be very cool and cost about $1,000. Um <laughs> So it's going to be a very cool, cool very <laughs> cool situation for a garden. And then we'll actually get to eat the vegetables. So that'd be nice. And more importantly, the strawberries, because the deer will eat any strawberry plants we put anywhere oh, else. Strawberries. Then you can make strawberry brandy or fresh strawberry mead. That's one of the things I really want to try to do this summer is make mead. I don't even have to grow strawberries, though, to get strawberries. It's like we're a month away from strawberry season. Um, so I could... Now, I want to get a, a strawberry plant in one of those strawberry pot things from my balcony. I highly recommend it. I got to wait until we stop. It stops freezing over here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This story. No. Okay, why, why the reaction? Here's the news article. R- Japan's famous Rabbit Island is home to 900 wild bunnies. But tourists are bringing so much food to the island that the animals now face a life-threatening <laughs> crisis. It's predators. So all the crows were like, jungle crow? What's a jungle crow? What is that? Is that just a big crow? Yeah, yeah, it's a crow. It's just there's like just a big crow. They're very aggressive, apparently. It's an Asian crow, but yeah, it's it's just a big. It's a raven, you know. Um, Ravens are not crows, sir. I learned that from a children's story. I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to perform a simple Google search and discover that ravens and crows are interchangeable terms for a same variety of species. False. Crows and ravens look different. Um, okay, fine. You know what? Are crows and ravens the same? Look at that. Look at that. Let's see. Ravens differ from crows in appearance by their larger bill, tail shape, flight pattern, and their large size. They belong to the same family. That's not the same. They're not the same birds. That doesn't mean they're interchangeable. Ravens and crows are both blackbirds that belong to the same family of Corvidae. And polar bears and grizzly bears are both bears, but you don't call a grizzly bear a polar bear. Interchangeable is the wrong word. Interchangeable is the wrong word there, Caleb. They're both Corvus. They are related, but they are not interchangeable. They are related. I never said they weren't related. I said they were different birds. Unless every bear is the same to you, which props to you for not seeing color, but... I mean, they can all bang and produce (laughs) fertile offspring, so... But can crows and ravens? Well, no, because they're different. They're... Oh, 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 because they're what? Because they're what? Because they're what? Because they're different. 
But two different species of crows can't produce offspring together. And there's, you're not going to say that one... But that's not what we were talking about. They're birds. They're dinosaurs. They're different like that. But they're all Corvus. They're all of the, they're all the crow family. All ravens are in the crow family. So what? So dolphins and killer whales are interchangeable now too? Orcas are a kind of dolphin. Yes. Just like ravens are a kind of crow. Okay. So next time we go to a zoo, I can't wait to call uh, all the dolphins killer whales for you. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> they're all dolphin a day. It's a little bottle nose dolphin. They're all dolphin a day. That's not look, the. Look at it. It's a killer whale. <laughs> this is really fun. It's not how this works. Just because ravens are crows doesn't mean all crows are ravens. Hey, did you know that lions can also be orange and have black stripes? I was wrong. There it is. That's all we <laughs> wanted, Caleb. I, I'm fine with admitting that, that I was all wrong. We wanted. But all ravens are crows. That's it. It's like the turtle tortoise. It's a turtle tortoise situation. All tortoises are turtles. All all ravens are crows. It's the same thing, okay? It sounds like not all crows are even crows, though, so I don't even know. No, because not all turtles can bang and have fertile offspring. Uh, okay. But ravens are are not the same as crows. They're not an interchangeable word. Ravens and crows are not interchangeable. That's ravens all we were saying. Ravens are a subset of crows. That is correct. They are That's not fine. interchangeable. They're just not interchangeable. Uh, all right. We can end the podcast right here. <laughs> Okay, we're good. A hundred percent. I will readily admit that I'm wrong when I'm wrong. I don't know if that was readily. I I don't know if I would describe that length of time as readily. <laughs> no, no. Once I was demonstrating you were, you to were be wrong. You were ready too, but you... <laughs> Okay, 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 but but back, right? back to... I, I, I admit I'm wrong when I'm wrong, but I have to be shown to be wrong before. Hello, podcast listeners. Uh, this is Caleb coming to you from the future, and I would like to point out that jungle crows are referred to as Asian ravens. The two terms, jungle crows and Asian ravens, are interchangeable, even while true ravens are a type of crow, the terms crows and ravens are not interchangeable. Except for jungle crows, which are Asian ravens. Back to 2023 Island. Oh yeah, people are uh, feeding the rabbits the wrong foods, which makes the rabbits weak. And so they're attracting... People think that lettuce and carrots are good for rabbits. They, they they are not. No, they need meat. That's not... No. It's not inaccurate. It's pretty inaccurate. Uh, that's per- fair. That's really inaccurate, actually. I've seen some rabbits eat, eat some meat. Rabbits eat grass, mostly. What a lame diet. What they need squirrels is grass. Squirrels don't eat grass. Squirrels eat squirrels. No, squirrels eat meat. Squirrels are scary. Squirrels... 100% eat meat. They're rats, okay? Oh, no. I mean, they're not you actually rats. You're a rat. <laughs> squirrels aren't actually rats. They are squirrels. Um, but they I've are read Redwall. Rats and squirrels are not on the same Again, side. <laughs> Redwall is not the place to understand animal knowledge. I know it seems I mean, like it would be. I mean, there's quite a bit. But... Like, on the one hand... All, okay, so beyond the fact that people are poisoning their rabbits by giving them bad food... 
Uh, they're also bringing too much food in general. So there's rats, crows, and wild boars now on the island. Um, oh, I didn't even see wild boars. But the but the rabbits aren't even native either. So so they just keep bringing rabbits. But they're so fluffy and cute. I know I love rabbits, but at the same time, I don't know if we should be trying to preserve the population of a non-native species that is probably invasive in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is. A lot of people go to this island because there's rabbits. So the the hundreds of rabbits make it a tourist trap. It's a trap. tourist trap. It's it's Las Vegas, but with rabbits. Not the same, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> I would be much more likely to go to a rabbit island than to Vegas. Okay. So this this rabbit island brings lots of people. If the if if the rabbits were not popular uh, with other people with with the people, they would most likely be viewed as an invasive species and killed like all the other things. I mean, they're still an invasive species, even if they're not viewed that way. What is humans' fascination with islands filled with one animal? I don't think that there's like a fascination. I think it's just easy to do. Because isn't there like a cat island somewhere and there's like the rat island in, uh, is that Alaska? The tail tail end of Alaska? And then the penguin island that you made me listen to that podcast about. <laughs> <laughs> Macquarie Island? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just easy. It just like happens by accident and then we're like, we could charge admission for this. I think there's something about us as... I mean, I mean, human. We can. I'm sure there's like lots of academic jargon you could use for, um, for if you, if you study this from a sociological or psychological perspective. But I think there's something um, that fascinates us about engaging with um, with nature and creatures in a way that we don't get to on a regular basis. I mean, it's why we have. I mean, yes, we have zoos for conservation, but if we like, if if people didn't want to see them. Like we wouldn't be able to make money to continue conserving them. And so there's something about um, like having an experience with nature that is wild. I mean, bunnies and stuff like that might be a little bit like, I don't know. I've seen Monty Python, the Holy Grail. So killer bunnies could be a thing. But I, I think there's just something that there's a curiosity of a, of a closeness with nature that um, maybe isn't intrinsic, but we just have this curiosity. I think Rebecca's wrong. Uh, I think what's really going on <laughs> with the islands of animals has more to do with genetic diversity because there's a smaller population of things. You tend to get weird traits come out, right? Like uh, Native Americans used to have dogs on islands in the Pacific Northwest um, where they would have dogs that had really white fluffy fur. By dogs, of course, I mean wolves, but they're interchangeable. Um, they had dogs. Well, now wolves and dogs are interchangeable? They are not what interchangeable. What biology class did you go to? You keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> okay, so what's a dog besides a domesticated wolf? I mean, you look at you look at Lily and you look at a wolf. I'm not sure you can say the say, only I look, difference I look is that she's domesticated. Bull. And I'm like, yeah, that's a wolf. Okay, so they had these dogs. Chihuahuas, which, that's a wolf, all right. For lack of a better Gimli word, I'm going to call them dogs because they had long hair. Canadids, isn't that the right word? And aren't there like other canadids? So can chihuahuas and wolves have babies? Yes, actually, and produce fertile offspring. Yes, they can. Wow. Um, <laughs> so anyways, 
they had these dogs that grew long hair that they would gather and shave every summer and they would make blankets of dog hair. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those dogs, were they bred selectively? Were they wild wolves that got stuck on the island and just developed that hair naturally for winter? Who knows? But when you take those dogs and mix them with other wolf populations, they end up looking like wolves. The only reason we had those dogs was because they were on islands and they got that, they developed those traits isolated. And they can't run away from the snuggles. Well, they can't go off and have sex with a different population and distribute those traits out. So you get an isolated population. It's very easy to isolate a population on an island. Okay, I don't understand how your argument makes me wrong because what my, what Mike asked was why are humans fascinated by it? Because you get a unique life form on an island that that kind of species is different than anywhere else in the world. Is there anything fascinating, though, about these rabbits? Uh, the rabbits on that island, they're extra fluffy. Are they? They're extra fluffy. Is that what it said? I didn't read that. I don't remember seeing that in the thingy. They don't look extra fluffy. They don't look extra fluffy at all. It just says they descended from a small fluffle of eight bunnies. And a fluffle is just the uh, 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 the term for a group of bunnies. You have a group of it bunnies. There might be absolutely get a nothing famous about these bunnies besides that they're stuck. Yeah, they really don't look, they don't look more fluffy. I mean, they're all semi-domestic rabbits, right? They all come up to people. Uh, as, as far as I can see, that's the only thing. Right, but that's not what you said in the first place. Sure. <laughs> so Caleb was wrong twice, Mike. We did it. <laughs> this is not the first time I've been wrong twice. And I don't know why you guys are celebrating that I said something inaccurate. Look, it it just feels nice to win one, you know? I, I mean, it's just weird. Like, I... I always admit if I mess something up factually. Oh, we know. I usually fact check myself before. I I know what it is. I know what it is. You guys think you're catching me before I fact check myself. That's what's going on. Uh, Probably. (laughs) Um, And we don't think. We know. (laughs) We we have. Some of us don't (laughs) think at all. Yeah, Mike. Some of us have the uh, acute senses like these bunnies. Everything I can find talking about tourists at the animal emphasizes that they are friendly, fluffy bunnies. Every bunny is fluffy, Caleb. They are not extra fluffy, though. That's not true. First off, not every bunny is fluffy. Wait, are hares considered bunnies? Are rabbits bunnies? Yes, rabbits are bunnies. Yes, hares, no. Hares are not. Redwall also taught me that. Every island is emphasizing that they're they're fluffy. So, or every every advertisement. So, was I wrong? I'm not sure. You said they were extra fluffy, though. I mean, okay, they're fluffy compared to the rabbits here that have like (laughs) really coarse hair. I've never had a rabbit here that has really coarse hair. I haven't either. I've had one rabbit and it was fluffy. Have you ever a wild rabbit? Yeah, we had wild rabbits in our Yeah, they're not they're not very fluffy around here. Oh. That would make sense though, because it doesn't get super cold the around East Coast here. Sucks. So they don't need No, I'm in the southeast. It's not just the East Coast. Pennsylvania rabbits, very fluffy. Rabbits here, not so much. Most rabbits will have uh, have some sort of fluff. I mean, they have hair, but it's not like when you pet them, it's not like something that you just like want to... It's not really soft. It's not soft and like adventures. Yeah, I mean, if it's really hot, they don't need to be fluffy and warm. Right, they don't need to be to stay warm. Um, but yeah, every every rabbit that I've ever skinned around here 
was not very fluffy. How many rabbits do you skin a year? This is this this story has gone very long. I haven't skinned a rabbit from here for a few years, Mike. Okay, so it's like one one every five years. But the last one was delicious. <laughs> what does rabbit meat taste like? It, it, rabbit is one of those. It tastes like chicken. Okay, but it's like a red meat chicken. It's good. Doesn't everything taste like chicken? A red meat chicken. Okay, so it's almost like a texture of pork, but the flavor of chicken. It's very good. Oh, interesting. Oh, speaking of which, I need to go check on my steak that's in the oven. This is this is where it comes to the part of the podcast where I ask Mike, Mike, what holiday is coming up this next week or before the podcast is coming up? Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Woo! Yeah. Cool. I'm liturgical, kind of. Right. Uh, do you have any plans for Ash Wednesday? Uh no oh you're not gonna go to church um probably not uh, next wednesday i have i'm gonna work like 12 hours um so i'm gonna work and then i'm gonna sleep <laughs> um i will probably just go by myself to um, probably the methodist church in town depending on what time they're doing it um and just do it myself i don't think we have any plans for it Gotta celebrate Fat Tuesday. Are you doing anything fun for Fat Tuesday? I'm going to Leavenworth with my friends on Monday, so that'll be our... That's not on Fat Tuesday, Rebecca. I'm just saying. But then Emily and Ro and I will still be together on Tuesday, so... There you go. Go go get pancakes and latkes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I gotta take them to the cafe. Mike knows what's up. You gotta get your pancakes and latkes. Pancakes and latkes, man. Mm. We'll go have pancakes at Kittitas Cafe. That's, pro- that's probably what I'll make is I'll uh, I'll probably probably make some latkes. Probably, I'll, maybe I'll make some pancakes. I don't know. I'm not a super big pancake person in general. Yeah. My church is doing a pancake dinner on Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not going because I have to work. That's a bummer. Do you do, at your church? Do you do the baby and the cupcake and everything? Uh, I don't think that they're going to do. I don't think they're going to do any form of king cake. Oh, you got to do king cake. <laughs> you know what? My favorite my... is when one of my friends almost choked on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think that you are right. I should do, like, I haven't made a king cake this year. And I should make a king cake tomorrow. Do you make king cake multiple times a year? No, but I usually make one every year and I haven't made one this year. Oh, okay. You didn't make, okay. <laughs> you were like, I haven't, I haven't had my quota of like four king cakes this year. Yet. Well, yeah, I didn't even make one. I didn't even make one at the start of Epiphany. Do you normally make one at the start of Epiphany? Is that a thing? It's a king cake. Yes. So it's for the king. Okay. What's a king cake? I've only associated it with Fat Tuesday. So it is associated with Fat Tuesday, but it's part. It's during Epiphany. Oh, uh, I get it now. So you can have king cakes all throughout Epiphany. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could. Pretty sure Jesus is king all the time. It's not about Jesus being king. It's about the wise men being the king. And you hide the little baby Jesus in the king cake. And then whoever gets the baby Jesus. They win. Uh, has to. They win. They become the king for the day. Yeah. Okay. Have you never done a king cake? No. Oh, they're so fun. Rebecca knows nothing of Mardi Gras. Oh, Mardi Gras. He's one of my favorites. It's great. <laughs> It's just a holiday of eating, so I'm all about it. And eating all the really good stuff. <laughs> Latkes cooked in bacon grease feels wrong, but really good. <laughs> oh, but it's so tasty. It's so good. The reason that I bring up 
the fact that it's now Lent um, at the time it's that we're listening. It's not now Lent. Oh, I, it will it, be, I guess. At the time this comes out. Uh, is that traditionally one of the four things that you do during Lent is penance. And that's what we're talking about is penance, our next sacrament. Wait, are we going through sacraments like a list? <laughs> is this a series? Did we make a series? Oh my gosh. Who decided penance was a sacrament? Uh, I don't know. Some Pope guy. The Catholic Church about forever ago. Well, obviously a person. What 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 are all, all the sacraments? Communion or Eucharist? Baptism, confirmation, marriage, death rites, conf- confession, marriage penance. Marriage is a sacrament? It's one of them. Priesthood. So either you get married or you become a priest or nun. Or you take holy orders. Yeah. Not necessarily priesthood. You could become a nun. You could enter the diaconate. It's not necessarily. Can I become a nun? I don't think I can become a nun. No, but you can become a monk, which is a male nun. No, I want to wear the dress and the headdress. Can I become a warrior cleric monk? <laughs> yes, you can, Mike. I've been on a D&D kick lately. <laughs> I need some friends to play D&D with. <laughs> First off, a bard is the best thing to be in D&D. Um, I mean, I agree. I've never played D&D. Why do we even let her on this podcast, Mike? <laughs> Well, I don't know why you guys let me on this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute, Caleb. You and I are like the OG over here. Why did we let Mike on the podcast? I would say at least one of you has a master's in Christian stuff. The other is an actual pastor. I just kind of showed up one day. (laughs) And I say funny things, and sometimes I'm right. You have a good perspective, Mike. Uh, That's why you're here. (gasps) I have a good perspective. As does Rebecca. I just don't understand how she's never played D&D. What about Rebecca? Rebecca screams D&D to you. Yeah. Harry Potter is about the nerdiest thing she's into, and that's like barely nerdy. I mean, Lord of the Rings. It, it depends on what you mean by you're into Lord of the Rings. Like, I was never a gamer. I played Mario Kart. That's about it. D&D is not like a video game situation. I know, but I'm saying gamer in general, like either tabletop or... No, she would rather read books about talking animals rather than I would rather read the fantasy books than play the fantasy games. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. All right. What are we talking about again? We're talking about penance and how it's not actually biblical. Whoa. Hold on. (laughs) That that was spicy, Rebecca. That was really fun to see Caleb's reaction, though. Penance is like the oldest sacrament. You're right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we should seek penance, except for like a lot of parts of the Bible, except for like a lot of places. The majority of the Bible. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand is the proclamation of John the Baptist prior to the <laughs> baptism of Jesus. What are the prophets all saying in in the uh, pro- in the Nevi'im? What are they saying? Are they saying keep going, keep going in your Oppress ways? Oppress the poor, um, steal from the poor, don't help the widows, enslave your enemies. Um, Oh, wait, no, no. Repent of those things. That was it. That was it. Repent of being Egypt. That's that's right. Repent. Repent of being Babylon. Um, Okay, so here's here's why I would say I, I definitions matter as we say. So my understanding of penance is that it's like it's self punishment as an expression of repentance self punishment yeah like that's that's the that's the going like that's the working definition that i have used and that has been used historically in as i've studied history i thought that was something else that it's self punishment that you have to do something and it can be it, you do the whippy thing sure it, it could be something like that 
But I know it's not, we're not actually talking about flagellation, but it is something that like penance is tied to punishment for for sin. It's not just it's not just repenting. It's tied to to a punishment of some kind. And I would say that that isn't something that is encouraged in our new covenant. Oh, I think it 100% is actually. That's fine. You can be wrong. Speak Caleb and then speak Rebecca and then I will judge. <laughs> Wait, how did Mike end up as the judge in this conversation? Wait, hold on. But I I just I need to understand what she's like. I think that if you've done a wrong thing, you have to make that thing right. Right. That's part of penance. So if I stole from Rebecca, I have to pay Rebecca back. That would be penance in my relationship with Rebecca. So there's this idea of repentance is you, you change but you also make restitution. That's part of penance. So then what would that look like penancing your relationship with God? Because we don't pay God back necessarily. Yeah. To receive grace either. Right. Right. Well, we confess our sins and we go and sin no more. I don't I don't think that there's necessarily a payment to God for the sins that we've committed. Oh, okay. I don't think that's the same as repentance. But Rebecca said in general, penance is not that. And I think that in human relationships, penance always includes restitution. And I think that that is properly understood as part of what penance is. But we don't owe that to God. We do not do these acts to make our relationship with God right. Our good works don't do that. So then we don't need penance. You need penance. Penance, repentance is penance. Are they interchangeable like crows and ravens? No. Are we about to, are we about to, are we about to three-peat here? <laughs> repentance is to become penitent again. In English, that's what it is. So the, the example you gave, Caleb, though, is from is from the perspective of that if you and I, if you did something to me, then you have to make it right and um, and pay me back. And you're using that as an example of penance. Yes. And yet in in every like definition, everything I've ever learned about penance and how it and, and the, how that word, how that word specifically is used has had has never had anything to do with, with the restoring of a relationship between two people. It has always been used in the context of of confessing to a priest or confessing to a religious authority and them absolving you of your sins. It has not been something that is done between two people. Okay. But Let's just let's just talk about that. You confess your sins to a priest who is standing in the place of Christ. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother issue. Okay, get over that for a second. Okay. Pre- pretend you're okay with that. You're talking to the priest, confessing your sins to God, and that priest standing in the place of Christ declares that you are absolved of your sins. That is penance. That is a restoration of your relationship with God. And you are using the priest as that person who is standing in Christ's place, representing him on this earth to you at this time. That actually is the restoration of relationship between you and God. You're just using this priest as God's representative in the same sort of a mystical way that the priest stands as the place of Jesus in the baptismal rite. So when it's I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you are representing Christ in the baptismal act in the same way you're representing Christ in penance during confession. So in, in your example of you I, wrong, uh, Rebecca, I, I, no, 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 let me finish. No, let me finish. In the example of you wronging Rebecca 
and because you steal from her so you pay her back in it translating to that and we're gonna get rid of the priest because you know protestants um we confess our sins to god and that in itself the confessing of i did something wrong i did something to damage this relationship that in itself is the paying it back right the paying the money back because that's what god asks us to do is to confess our sins to make him lord i don't think that's enough uh depending on what the sin act is right i think yes and no if your sin has been to do harm in the world you also should do your best to reverse those harms okay every everyone who uh set thing set ants on fire better better start donating to ant farms or stop setting ants on fire as you go forward (laughs) okay right so like you're not necessarily going to be able to go back and undo the sin like that's not how sin works it's done but you're going to not perpetuate that sin into the future to the best of your ability okay if the thing that you're repenting of is having an adulterous relationship when after you confess you're gonna stop hamilton okay you're gonna stop having the adulterous relationship and you're gonna do what you can to minimize the harms from that going forward which means that if you had sex with somebody and they have a kid you're gonna not make that kid grow up an orphan you're gonna make sure that that kid is provided for into the future so part of repentance might require an ongoing good work as part of repentance of a previous sin in my mind in my mind the the person already had the child in your example and so i was like oh my gosh what are you kill him like that (laughs) don't make him an orphan that should be easy not killing the person i was very confused i get it i got i get your decision (laughs) i get your example yeah the way you phrased that was was a little strange confused i was like "Hmm, that should be easy don't kill someone (laughs) what that's an easy way to remedy adultery Okay, so does this does this uh, idea of penance? Do you do you think, uh, especially in the the American evangelical church, do you think it is um, woefully neglected because of the way we view sin as an individualistic act that does not have far-reaching effects outside of me and whoever I sinned against? I think yes, but I think that's not the biggest way we miss. I don't. I think that's not the biggest oh. way we miss penance. What do you think the biggest way we miss penance? I think the biggest thing is because we are so focused on the idea of rejecting a works-based righteousness, because we're so focused on rejecting that in the evangelical American church, we forget the good works that the gospel itself calls us to do, which is penance. Unpack that. Give me, give me some unpacking. You just got back from a long trip. I just because I, I think I agree with you, but I, I would be a fool for saying I agree with you until you unpack that. <laughs> So we have largely divorced good living from Christianity. Okay. I I think that like, yes, confess Jesus Christ as your savior. But if you do that, and then you go on living a way that's unworthy of the name of Christ. Right. You've missed the point of repentance. The point of repentance, penance, is to turn, stop doing the bad things, and, and do the good things. And we miss that. Um, and we we miss the confession of our sins, the, the admission that we've done and not done things. 
Um, and we just say, well, no, grace is enough. And I'll go to, maybe I'll go to church on Sunday, but God's grace is enough and th- that's it. And if you demand that I do some good works, do the work of justice in the world, well, that's, that's no, no, God's grace is enough. I don't need to, I don't need to stop oppressing my neighbor. I don't need to work to make sure these people have food because grace is enough. And I, I think that that's an insufficient view of penance. I think it's not just a confession of sins. I think it's also not as a punishment. I don't think it's penal which also comes from the same root word. That's why it's probably confusing. (laughs) I don't think that it's a punishment for our sins. I don't think that's what penance is. But I think that it's a natural response. Just like if I stole from Rebecca and then I paid her back and I did that of my own free will, is that a punishment? I guess it depends on how you see it. Right? If I choose to do that, who's enforcing the punishment? I don't think there's anybody, but is it a punishment? Maybe in some ways it might be a self-punishment, but that also restores relationship. Right. And, and I, because I think that's, you know, doing doing college ministry evangelism and, and that talking with people about this idea of um, like God's, God's grace is enough, confess and believe. And then there's like, you you can't stay there. Um, Like the gospel calls us to action. Jesus's grace calls us to action. And so to just say, I love Jesus and to not be his hands and feet, I think is very, very much a missed missed thing. And so you, you would say that part of that penance, part of that confessing and believing is doing the works of the gospel. Yeah, I think so. So I... I hear I hear that that's what it should be. That's not really how it seems to be practiced, though, because it and, and I, I don't know if we can say that penance and repentance are the same thing. Because penance is what you're supposed to do, like, is it like, then what you're saying is demonstrating repentance by taking an action or by doing whatever the priest had told you to do. Like it is, but then that is, that does feed into a works based, like you have to, if you're, especially in, in its original form of being told you have to do this thing in order to demonstrate your repentance, like that does feed into a works based thing. And I, I agree that there should be action after repentance and then coming to Christ. I disagree that that should be like, this is a sacrament that's required for you to prove for the... What's well, a workspace for what? For, a, for uh, like for being in right relationship, like for being with or the focus on um, uh, like you interrupted my other frame of thought. So now I don't know where I was. Um at least the focus on that you have to ha- you have to do something in order to be forgiven. Ooh, I don't think that's what that does. I don't I don't think that's what it's supposed to do, but I think that is how it has been communicated that's that's what like the priest says you're forgiven, but you better go do the this thing otherwise you're not actually forgiven. That's been the way that it has actually been practiced. I I think that's an interesting interpretation of it because these are people who are baptized into the body of Christ who are partaking of the Eucharist. Um, And so you wouldn't say that you're separated from the community and you need to go do penance because you're separated because you're still part of the community. It it, could this be an example of our, um, um, right, our right versus wrong kind of, American mentality of do a bad thing, pay a price, justice. What is that called? Is it called justice? 
is that could could that be a, a you know of our idea of you did something wrong therefore in order to be right you must do this thing when in actuality i think it fed into the western ideas surrounding it yeah i never finished my thought i think that that is part of it mike never finished his thought caleb okay, finish your thought thank you <sighs> I can't remember the rest of my thought. That's why you can't interrupt us, Caleb. But you guys can interrupt me all the time? This doesn't seem fair. Because you hold on to your thoughts. <laughs> I can't hold on to anything, Caleb. Instead of, because we're, we think in a guilt innocence, in order to be innocent again, we have to absolve the guilt somehow by doing something when in actuality, um, that's not how God asks us to do it. That's how we've interpreted it through our lens. Okay, I think that might be part of it. But I think that also there is, I think there's also this larger misunderstanding of what Catholic theology actually teaches. Catholics are pretty mean to the Protestants too. And made up a bunch of stuff about it. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think that the populace, larger people, I think that Rebecca's expression of what's going on with penance, with penance as it's historically understood, that you are that, that that's like what you're doing, like you're punishing yourself for sins. I think that is actually how large a parts of the European population have understood penance historically. Mm-hmm. That's what the people have thought it was. But that's not what it's been in Catholic theology. And so there's a disconnect of what the priest thinks they're doing and what the people understand the priest is doing, right? Much like we talked about in the passing of the peace during service, uh, people think that's just the meet and greet time. You high five and you share your favorite uh, Super Bowl snack. But is that actually what's happening during the passing of the peace? Or no, are we making I sit a down theological and don't do anything. <laughs> no, but we're making a theological statement about our unity and peacefulness in this place, right? After confession, now it's the passing of the peace. We're making a theological statement there by placing it in the service where we do. But do people realize that? Yes. Mike, did you realize that growing up Lutheran? Did you ever think about where the passing of the peace is in the service? It, it was after, it was in the beginning, after the thing. After confession? Yeah. You kneel and confess your sins, and then... We're Lutheran, we didn't kneel. We were the good ones who... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stood? We stood? I'm sorry, you stood and confessed we your sins. We stood and looked God in the eye and confessed <laughs> our sins. Well, that sounds really American masculinity oh, there, Mike. I, I apologize because, to be clear, Lutherans do it both ways, as do Anglicans. Um, Lutherans do a lot of things both ways. Sometimes nowadays. you're standing, sometimes you're kneeling. You do it both ways. It's fine. In the same way that there's a miscommunication about what should be happening and what is happening theologically at the passing of the peace, there's a misunderstanding about what's happening in penance. One, when you confess your sins to the priest and the priest declares you as forgiven, that priest is not the one doing it. The priest is symbolically, ceremonially, standing in the place of Christ, declaring your sins forgiven. I think that's a really important thing that like, do people get that? No, the priest did it. That's how it's understood. But is that like the theology behind it? Is that the understanding? No. And the same thing when they say you should go do this, they think that that's like required to have communion with God. 
but you're still a baptized believer. You're still partaking of the Eucharist. You're still a member of the body of Christ in good standing with the church. So it's not a restored relationship issue at that point. It's about what action should you take to see God's kingdom continue in the world? And what should your response be to the things that you've done? So that way you can better live a Christian life. It's not punishment because it's a choice. Which generally is stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> right. Like, right. if it's stop stealing, doing what you're doing. stop stealing. Right. <laughs> That's not necessarily punitive. <laughs> you got to give it back. Like, like them Skyrim guards. You either got to... You got to give it back. And, and and if you have a lot of money through trade and through those things, you shouldn't through have a lot trade. of money, but you sell things. You shouldn't you have it. a lot of money because having a lot of money, we you've lots harmed of people in the process. Trade. You've harmed people in the process of getting a lot of money. So if you have a lot of money, you should give to the poor. Right. Is that punishment? Maybe, but it's the thing that you do to make it right in the world. And so so does that maybe go to our kind of like very individualistic s- sense of um, morality? Because like, I, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of like, like stealing, I think most people, Christian, non-Christian would agree that maybe you shouldn't steal from people. Not everyone's gonna agree on the specifics or whatever. But generally, I think most people would say don't steal. So sure. what about something that um, the Bible would consider a sin, but maybe not all people would consider a sin, like um, sex outside of marriage. You're not married. The other person isn't married. So it's not adultery. It's just sex outside I was, of marriage. I was going to say like underpaying your employees. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> With a very classic youth group Christian one. And you're like, no, underpay the employees as a sin. Like you underpay your employees and you continue to make a profit and your employees are barely getting by while you're buying your third beach house. Yeah. Is that how Christians should live? In America, we say, of course it is. Right. Listen to the market value and raise your properties to keep up. And the market didn't price people out of homes or, or you didn't price people out. The market did. The market did. It's Even the though you didn't fault. need the more money. Hey, I'm doing good with that money, though, you know? Right. And so those are that's that's what we have to ask. And so maybe maybe penance looks like raising the price of your employees. Is that a punishment? I don't know why, but your phrasing of that <laughs> sounded really funny. Yeah, raising the price of your employees made it sound like you were going to sell. You, the, it's the price to the employer. Raising the wages, I mean, is also... <laughs> It's the same word again. This is it is the same thing, but maybe I could have chosen a better word. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not you're not wrong that I chose a weird word there. I absolutely did. It it makes sense, but it was weird. It's a good weird. Yeah, it was a very strange. It was a good. That was that was a phrase. All right, so that is, but, but that's what penance is. Penance is 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 doing the the. It, it's doing the work of making things right in the world that are wrong because of our sin. That's what penance is. Right. We we confess when we have imaged God poorly, mm-hmm. and part of that is now imaging God And better. now we need to image God well. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we need to actually do our calling, which is... Which is penance. Not being a dick. But it's not punishment. It's not punitive. It's a willful expression of our love for God and his creation. 
and it, it it's very interesting um like when when you you know when you, when you talk it out like yeah like that makes sense it's not punishment um but there there are a lot of people who are like oh god is now i have to as punishment i have to act this way now i, I think this is an example of how something that was how something is originally intended um just isn't is not how it's practiced so much so that like i don't know if you can separate the understanding of like certain groups credentialing women i i don't understand you i don't understand why that's relevant yeah i actually don't see that one right now but let rebecca finish her thought because you guys can't be interrupted and finish things shoot but the way that the way that it has been practiced, the way that historically it has been in like the way that it, it at times was then weaponized to to be something that was punishment for people. Oh, for um, sure. And and we and wielding of power over people. I don't know if it's something like using that word penance um, inherently like rises anxiety in me. I will never use that word in a way that is positive. Um, so while I, I'm just saying that while I get what you're saying of what it should be, like that's not what most people think of when they hear the word penance. And one of the things that we and one of the things that we have talked about many, many times on this podcast is it doesn't matter what the actual definition of something is as much as what it what the impact is, because y'all never want me to actually look up actual definitions. <laughs> I mean, you can go look up actual definitions. I did. It said it said self-punishment. I mean, I want you to look up definitions, but defini- what the dictionary says isn't the only thing that matters. Yes, I know. Right. But also what I've described is part of the dictionary definition of penance. I mean, it's one of the dictionary definitions. Right. It's it's part of penance. And it's how penance has historically been understood as in, in the theology of the church, which has not always been how it's used or how it's communicated. And so as we're, as we're talking about the sacraments of the church. Oh, yeah, because I and the number one from Oxford Dictionary is voluntary self-punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance for having done wrong. And then the second one is a Christian sacrament in which a member of the church confesses sins to a priest and is given absolution. And the Roman Catholic Church often called the sacrament of reconciliation. So a religious observance or other duty required of a person by a priest as part of the sacrament to indicate repentance. So Webster, because we're Americans, uh, says an act of the definition number one is an act of self-abasement, mortification or devotion performed to show sorrow or repentance for sin. And then definition number two, a sacramental rite that is practiced in Roman, Eastern and some Anglican churches that consists of private confession, absolution and a penance directed by the confessor. The confessor is the person confessing. And I think that's I would I would say that I would also have issue with it being at the discretion of the like con- person who's hearing the confession. What a Protestant thing to say. Uh, wait, the person the person that's hearing the confession is God. Not in the sense of not in the original sense. Like oh, it that's is. a that's a human sense. No. <laughs> like I, I understand the how that how the theology works of the priest being the stand-in for God, but that's still a human using that like and telling the someone priest, else. The priest doesn't get to choose choose whether or not they declare you are forgiven oh i know but they choose the penance right but don't we choose our own penance like i i i totally agree i i don't think that a priest you need to confess to a priest i i don't think that at all however i will say 
as I confess to God, uh, do do I not also choose my penance? Like, is there still, even without the priest, is there still not a human version of that, a human element in the penance part? Like, I'm not going to steal from Rebecca anymore. I'm only going to steal from those people who deserve it. Like, is there still not a human aspect of the priest in a Protestant confession? So, like, I, I totally understand where Rebecca's coming from, that a priest would be like, oh, I guess you have to do this. And sometimes it was really bad. But it, is it any worse than us saying, us giving ourselves our penance? Like that we get to choose our own thing that we do in response? Yeah. I think that there's a power dynamic there that is a problem. I mean, sure, but if you give yourself the power, that also has a power dynamic that's a problem because then you get to choose for yourself what is wise. You're choosing wisdom in your own eyes. And I think that's problematic too. There's a difference between having a variety of counselors and having people that you talk to about making things right versus having an authority figure of a priest who claims to speak like absolutely for God telling you what you have to do. That's really different. So I'm not saying that you should only have uh, in your own make your own penance. There's a there's we all know there's a value in in like what the proverb says of many advisors or whatever the the phrasing is and being in community that's necessary. But what happened what happens in the structure of penance is it's not even community focused. It's still a one to one the priest like forgiving the one person and then like that person doing their penance. It wasn't a community focused thing either. It was just between between them. So I'm not I'm not arguing for like an internal let me decide what my penance is or saying that we shouldn't have like people that we talk about what we've done and how like what we confess and how we continue how how we move forward to change and and act and make right the things that we've done and reconcile the situations that we can because other people should be involved in that. Well, but I, I don't think that they're as different as what you think they are. Because do you think that the priest of, of the parish doesn't also see all the things going on in the parish? And so what they're going to tell you to do to make reconciliation isn't going to also be in the best interest of the community? Because it's it's that one person, but that one person who knows everything happening in the community. Do they? They listen to all the confessions, Rebecca. They know all the hot gossip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in theory, if people are actually doing it, man, what is the what is the tea, priest? If there's one person <laughs> in medieval Europe that knows everything going on in the community, it's the parish priest. It's true, and that's why there were, and that's why the power was abused. And they know real well what you need to do to to help the community or to punish the person that pissed them off that week. Um, and so, <laughs> I'm not saying that like that is a good thing okay i'm not i'm not saying that i think that the priest should tell you that you need to go do these things or that you should go say these hail marys and then you're going to be like that's not that's not good and i'm not catholic okay so you're scaring us i was going to say you said you've sounded really catholic throughout this whole no, because you've been talking about this Catholic position and I've tried to explain how it's been understood. Yes, because that is the foundation of where it comes from. Not from not from the accounts of the early church in Acts or from like New Testament writings. Well, listen, the Gospels, right? Zacchaeus, the tax collector, after he encounters Jesus, what does he do in response? He pays everything back. Double, triple. That's penance. Sure. Okay, so 
we we do see it in the early church. We do see people selling all they have to give to the poor. We do see pa- Paul collecting money to send to the Jerusalem church. Uh, Those things are examples of, yes, an outflow of an encounter with Jesus, which I think is what you're arguing penance is supposed to be. But that's not the structured like thing that it has been put into the church. Like the, the, the kind of like Rebecca, part of part of part of doing this is is to say that we need to change what we understand these things could be in our modern context. Sure. I, I mean, I guess so. But I'm, I'm saying that those things fall into that definition. But this very narrow definition of what was happening in the Catholic Church, medieval church, and even the modern day, some denominations in the Catholic Church, that's an insufficient definition. I'm trying to say it's bigger than that. Why didn't you say that in the first place? Uh, Rebecca, if I start with the big picture, we don't have any conversation. That's not true at all. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. It's bigger than what you're making it. So is a priest important in the sacrament of penance? The priest has never been important in the sacrament of penance. It, d- it depends on it depends on what you believe about the priest. The priest has never been the important person ever. It's me. It wasn't supposed to be. I'm the important person in penance. Yes, it's you. You're the problem, Mike. It's you and Jesus. And if you have a representative of Jesus on this earth, good, but it's not needed. And Protestantism says it doesn't need to be a priest. It could be my friend, Joe. And now to move on to the story that uh, Matt told us we have to talk about with this. Oh, what do we have to talk about? He texted it to you. I know. I read it at work. I forgot it. it Why did nobody send it to me? It was was in in the the group group chat. chat. When I said it needs to be penance. Was that two days ago? Was that yesterday? I was really busy writing a paper yesterday. I missed. Wednesday. Oh, there it is. I say I, I read it. Oh yeah, okay, I got it. I forgot it, but I read it. Okay, popular blog debunks Christian myths with the prophets. He does the Christian thing. This is from Religion News Source. It's from Religion News uh, about my favorite atheist, uh, Bart Ehrman, New Ehrman? Testament scholar Bart Ehrman. He's an atheist New Testament scholar. Bart Ehrman is known for challenging established Christian teachings, okay, so no, that's but not how, there's a part stop. of him that uh, still Mike, honors Mike. his abandoned Christian. What? Mike. First off, that's not how you read things. You're trying that to read it read in a things. boring, monotone I'm not, way. I'm, I'm not a voiceover actor. <laughs> Secondly, I just have a cool mic. You've already read this. And our podcast listeners might not be familiar with Bart Ehrman. Your podcast host isn't familiar with Bart Ehrman. But you don't know who Bart Ehrman is? Thank you for repeating what I just said. He says some funny. He says some funny things. Yeah, no, I just said I. I just said that twice before you asked that I didn't know him. That was like a shock verification of like making sure I heard you correctly. Yes, I don't know who Bart Ehrman is. He's a New Testament scholar, a professor at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, he is the leading schol- world scholar on uh, Hellenistic Greek and the New Testament writings. Like he is the top person about New Testament Greek. And he says they're silly. No, he, he doesn't say that. He grew up fundamentalist Baptist and then learned Greek and learned that he was taught a bunch of wrong things about what the New Testament actually says. Um, and through that became disenchanted with the church and 
it says that he doesn't believe in God anymore. But if you want to ask anybody about like first century theology, he's the best person. He knows all of it because he's read all the Greek documents. Um, and one of the things that he does, he has a blog and he takes all of the money from his blog and he gives it to charity. Last year, he gave five hundred over $500,000 to charity from his blog. Sweet. So we have a non-Christian doing a Christian thing. Yeah. Is that not... I mean, that doesn't feel like news. I know. Like, maybe it's because I've seen so many Twitch streamers, like, donate a million or two dollars to, like, St. Jude's or whatever. Like, you know, I, like even, like, $500,000. I, I mean, that's a lot of money for one individual. But, like... I've seen streamathons that donate more, you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there like there are lots of non-Christians who donate to charity. Right. But are there strong Christians that are their their job is to study the New Testament and they constantly argue against Christianity? who then go into the world and do the things that Christians should be doing. How many of those people do you know? I guess it depends on what you mean by things Christians should be doing. I mean, I guess that's fair because like everybody should be eating, but you do know what I meant by that question. <laughs> I do know what you meant. I'm being facetious. <laughs> right. Like I, you, you did know. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm still not as enthralled with this as, as I think you and Matt were. Cause like it just, it just makes sense to me. Like I like to think if I had a lot of money that I would donate also to charity and I would probably do missionaries as well because I like missionaries. They're pretty cool. But like, again, I, I've just, I've seen lots of other people who might, might be considered antagonistic towards the church also give money to, you know, charity, like the things Christians are supposed to be doing, except like the main thing we're supposed to be doing is imaging God, which if you're not confessing that God is your Lord and Savior, then like you're not doing the thing that your Christians are supposed to be doing. So I don't know. It's a really interesting article. I'm not going to like it's an interesting read, but I don't know. I mean, it's cool. I don't think it's newsworthy on this, but I also didn't think gambling was that big of a topic and I was proven wrong. Well, that's because you always thought that blackjack was fine to play. So that, that is true. But I, I think it's interesting that somebody who knows the history on this. Um, Maybe he just still has a lot of, of, of Baptist guilt. So you think about the idea of charity. Who invented charity? It was Jews. God. And then Christians. Nobody else in the ancient world did charity. It's true. What? No. They would take care of their family. They would have relationships in an honor-shame culture where they would give gifts to one another. But you would not do things for the poor just for the sake of taking care of the poor. You might, if you were, if you were Caesar, you might feed people bread so they don't riot. But that's different. Although I, I, we might see something different when you're looking at uh, ancient Near East, maybe. But if we're looking at right in in the Greek and Roman world, Indian, okay, because charity is definitely a value in Hinduism. In the, in the Greek and Roman world. It was not a thing. Okay. You just said in the ancient world at first, so I was confusion. In the ancient Mediterranean world, when Christianity came on the scene, it totally transformed it. And you would think that somebody who is antagonistic to the gospel would be also antagonistic to those changes that the gospel brought into the world. And instead, what we see is an atheist saying, actually, the changes that were brought about by the gospel were so good, even though I reject the gospel, I will live out those changes to the best of my ability. And I think it's interesting. I think we also need to stop raising people as independent fundamentalist Baptists. <laughs> I think we should just get rid of the Baptists. Mm, 
That's fine. We can get rid of all the Anabaptists and just all go back to being Pado Baptists, like good Christians. Whatever. The heck is a Pado Baptist? A person that baptizes Pados. The heck is an Anabaptist? Infant baptism is Pado is pe- it's it's the first like ped. It's a child. Like pediatrician, like pedophile. That you said Pado. Pa. You said Pado. P-A-E-D-O. Pado. Pado is the Greek. It's pedo baptism. Infant baptism. So what is pedo? Is pedo not Greek? No, it is Greek, like pedophile. A lover of children. We removed the um, E from it in our English spelling. Right, because because just like pedo baptism is just somebody that baptizes pedos. A pedophile is somebody that loves babies. Pedo means baby. Thanks for listening to the Barely Safe Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes, and merch at barelysafepodcast.com.